You're listening to Kurt and Anthony on the morning drive on FM 96.3 and AM 620. WVMT. Welcome back to the morning drive, everybody. Kurt and Anthony here on this Thursday morning and joining us now. I'm going to get her in trouble, which like I have in the past, by actually saying it's my friend, former colleague <laughs> and still friend of mine, Jane Nodell. Good morning, Jane. Good morning, Kurt. Good morning, Anthony. Good morning. I think I proud, proud to be known as a friend of Kurt Wright's. There you <laughs> well, go. Um, <laughs> although it may have gotten her in political trouble over the years. <laughs> I think that was used against you a couple of times, wasn't uh, it? I think it was. I think it was. <laughs> of course, it wasn't always that way. We We kind of, you know, got to know each other and... Really oh. developed a friendship. Uh, I remember early on, the early days, we, we, yeah. we did some battling. We did. And not that we agreed on everything, even when we got to be close friends and collaborators and, and great colleagues, but um, we, we just worked really great together. And there, there was that one time I hung up on you. But. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> you see, but this, is, did. this is the thing, that, that, and it's the core of this whole show. It's like you have conversations. You can agree or disagree philosophically on certain things, but there's tons of common ground. And I've, I've watched it now from this seat for a couple of years. Even the people that I think are, you know, philosophically, I'm like, I don't know where they're coming from. But everybody, particularly when you talk about the city of Burlington, they're very passionate about it. Yes. And they love their city. Yes. And there is a lot of common ground. No, and, I, I think and, that's and, right. It's a and, question of yeah. how we get to where we right, want to go. Right, right. And I think the only way that you can achieve that is getting to know one another. Yeah, I agree. Well, I'm just going to start out saying Jane was a, uh, I think she was one of the finest city councilors that the city of Burlington had ever saw. And I absolutely that. mean that completely. I couldn't be more serious about that. Um, and uh, she is one of the smartest. I know she doesn't like hearing this stuff, but she's just one of the most. I think she's a brilliant woman, and yeah. I, I and I love definitely strong, going too far now. Strong, well, <laughs> no, well. and, I'm, and I'm serious. But she, uh, of course, was president of the city council uh, for a number of years. Did a great job. And in fact, I just before we get into Decker Towers, and then we're going to talk about the mayor's race and a lot more stuff. But I, I remember your last night on the city council. I read some of the lines from the song, I Did It My Way, and put your name in that song, if you remember. I do. And then I turned over, I was council president, and you had been before yep. me. And I said, so I want to end this by turning the council president seat back over to Jane Nodell to wrap this night up. Yeah, that was great. And, of course, my reflection was, I did do it my way, and we can see how that worked out for me. <laughs> <laughs> well... You know what? It worked out great for Burlington for many, well, many years. You know, I mean, I think this is part of why I'm, I'm supporting Joan and why I've always, you know, been a big supporter of yours, Kurt, is that, you know, it's about doing the right thing, even when it's not po a popular thing. But you have to, I mean, that's what you're there to do. And I will say that night, I remember that because it was taped, right, because of yeah. Town Meeting TV. And the next time I went to visit my mother, may she rest in peace, I showed her that and she just loved it. She just really yeah, so it was a great. it was a great night, and uh, I, I I sort of thought of that on the fly. Like I, I'm going to just turn the council presidency back to the real council president, right? That here, was Jane awesome. Nodell. Yeah, that was really good. So, Jane, we will talk about the mayor's race, but first, let's talk about you are on the Burlington Housing Authority board. I am, and uh, obviously, Decker Towers has just turned into a. Um, I don't know. I hate to phrase it this way, but it seems almost like a war zone in the building right now in a lot of ways. Can you tell us from your perspective what's going on and what's happening with the board? Sure. So, I mean, it is a war zone. One of our new um, commissioners actually has, you know, described it that way. 
Um, and it does feel that way when you're in the building. Um, and you just did a site visit yesterday. We did. I, I just wanted to put out there that we, we do have you know many new members on the board. Um, well, there's my, I've been there just a year. And then Bill Schrecker from Evernorth, um, who works on low-income housing tax credit projects. Very skilled guy. And then the two new appointments are Kirby Dunn, uh, formerly the very successful executive director of HomeShare Vermont, and also has a very, her entire history has been in the area of kind of tenant advocacy and affordable housing. And then Brian Lowe, um, who formerly worked for the city of Burlington in several different jobs, was a great asset there, and um, was with the Vermont Council for Rural Development for, I think, a couple of years, and now he's doing some consulting. And so he really knows the city hall side of things and the larger kind of public sector side. Um, and then we have Tony Lewis, who is our resident. By law, we um, someone who benefits from yeah. the housing that mm-hmm. BHA subsi- is subsidized through BHA um, is required to be on the board, and, and, that's, and that's Tony Lewis. Um, so the two, we, you know, we had the Tony, um, Kirby Dunn and Brian Lowe were recently appointed by the mayor. And, um, we've been in this kind of limbo because we've, we're in between board chairs, but that's going to all get fixed next week. You'll be Um, electing a new board chair. We'll be electing a new board chair and vice chair. And I've told my colleagues that I'm, I'm ready to do it if they want me to do it. And, and so far I... I've heard no opposition. I'm not running a campaign, but you never know what might happen at the last minute, right? So, <laughs> well, not that's, a, that's a that's a significant. I, I want to just give uh, applaud you because that's a that's a heavy lift to to take that on and to say I, I I'm ready to do it um, because as we know when we were learning about it, th- there's there's a lot of tough decisions that are going to need to be made and and I. Thank you for stepping up. Thank you. Appreciate that, Anthony. I, I think um, it's important. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel really good about the board. I've, I've, I've been very impressed with the, the members that left the board. Um, we're there for a long time, and I think it was just time to kind of pass the baton. Mm-hmm. We have lost some institutional memory, but they're there to assist, you know, when we need sure. some information. So that we really appreciate that. So we did do a site visit yesterday. So the whole board was able to attend, which was good. And then the executive director, Steve Murray, with his property manager person and the facilities person and the CFO, the financial person, um, joined us on the walkthrough. And the resident council was there, which was great. But um, you, I mean, the first thing that happened as we were walking into the building is some sheriffs were walking out of the building with an individual who was being evicted. Um, and I believe he, he was, a, was trafficking um, in the building. And that's just been the chronic challenge in that building, mm-hmm. which is um, which is getting them out of the building and then trying to limit, you know, the entry of new people who are trafficking. Is it too is it really difficult to evict someone? Um, in some cases, it can take a very long time, much longer than you would think, like a year. Mm-hmm. So you have somebody that's dealing drugs. Uh, it, it's not easy because. Police can't necessarily come unless they have actual evidence and proof that they're dealing drugs, even though other residents might kind of know that they are. Right. Is that right? No, that's right. So I think we've been most successful in, in evictions through non-payment of rent. Yeah. I was going to say, because your Vermont law makes it very difficult, with the exception of non-payment of rent, to evict somebody yeah. before they, they pass potentially new laws. 
Right. There are, and the and speaking of what Anthony said, new laws. I mean, Montpelier is right now considering uh, a no cause or just cause eviction. You can't just get rid of somebody. You've got to have just cause, as they call it. And in Burlington, that was passed, but the governor vetoed it. I know there are people who would still like to bring that back. Would that make it even tougher to get rid of uh, bad tenants who are causing problems in neighborhoods or, in this case, in Decker Towers, do you think? Of course, it all depends on exactly how it's worded. Um, But certainly all the past versions of Just Cause would have made it more difficult. Let's go to the phones. Good morning. You're live on the morning drive. Um, You guys are kind of talking like Decker Towers is a big shock and a big surprise. And and the reason that we know it's not is because when um, the mayor set up the shanties next next to the post office, they couldn't get anyone to manage it. No one would manage that because they all knew what was going to happen. It was going to be essentially another Decker Towers. What happened was Mike Monty came in and essentially set up a gated community, uh, required regular police patrols, um, set up a fence around the thing. Essentially, it's a kind of an enclave and set up specific rules, and only under those rules would he manage it because he knew the consequences. He knew what was going to happen. He knew that there was another Decker Towers. And so my recommendation is to call Mike Monty and get him to set up the rules because this is no mystery. It's, it's not a shock. It's not a surprise at all. Everyone in city government knew what was going to happen with Decker Towers. All right. He's obviously talking about the pods. Yes. Uh, he called it the shanties, but he, the pods that were yep. put in place over uh, near McKenzie House the post office. Um, what do you think of what he just said, Jane? Well, I mean, it did take a while for the city to find someone who would manage right. the pods. Okay. And luckily, finally, CHT did step up. Michael Monte, of course, is executive director of Champlain Housing Trust. And he, I think, as a condition, he wanted to be reassured that there would be regular police patrols and they had to deal with security. Now, not all the security has worked, but I think it's overall been pretty effective. Right? But I didn't mean to interrupt, but no, aren't you under a whole host of separate rules because you're federally funded? Well, I was going to say that. Yeah. I mean, the housing authority is subject to all the regulations from HUD. Yeah. Um, and it's obviously a completely different kind of site. You know, we don't have a single point of entry into Decker Towers. We have the front door. We have the side doors. We have people with limited mobility, so the building has to be handicapped accessible. And that means it makes it very easy for people to coattail in. And you know what some people have said, Jane, um, and I want to hear your response to this, which is just like, look, hire 24-hour, around-the-clock security and make sure nobody gets in. Not quite as easy as it sounds, though. Is that right? That's right. I mean, in our site visit yesterday, you know, the staff was explaining. And as we were there, we were seeing unauthorized people being let into the building. Okay. so that By, re- by residents? By residents. By people that were in there. Okay. Um, and so you can, even if you have 24-7, you will still have probably people getting in somehow. You know, but we need to... I mean, I'm coming around to the view that we need at least some hours of a security person at the front door, okay? And understanding is not going to be perfect. Um, We may 
we may disable the door king, which is the way that someone can get buzzed in. Um, and we found that there's basically seven, seven of 160 apartments that have been using it. So maybe there's a way around for that, another way for them to kind of let their people in. Um, I think that the, the tenants there need to have additional presence of security on the site, even if it's not complete coverage, some additional level. All right. Well, we're going to continue the conversation. We're talking with Jane Nodell about, uh, right now we're talking about Decker Towers, uh, and we're going to take a two-minute break. You can join the conversation after the break. From you, become a part of the Morning Drive now. 888-414-0303. You're listening to News Talk WVMT. Welcome back to the Morning Drive, everybody. Kurt and Anthony here on this Thursday morning, and we're continuing our discussion about Decker Towers with uh, former city council president and provost of the University of Vermont and still an economics professor professor at UVM, Jane Nodell. If you have a question for Jane, give us a call on the McKenzie Country Classic Hotline, 888-414-0303. And Jane, um, again, you're on the board and looks like you may be the chair of the board maybe next week when the vote happens. Um, What does, this may be a little early for this or whatever, but what do you think the city, how can the city help out on this issue? What should the city do in regard to help help fix this problem? Well, there's a couple of different things. One is, in the very short run, when we need to amp up the security presence, that's going to be, that's going to put a burden on the, on the housing authority if the housing authority is expected to do all of it it's by itself. And I understand that the mayor may have, a funding source if he's presented with a plan that he thinks is a good plan and can work, right? Um, so we think that needs to happen very, very quickly. You know, I'd like to get it going next week. You know, um, I've told the staff that, you know, we want to come out of that board meeting on Tuesday morning with a new plan to go back to the mayor and get it done. And get it done before he leaves office? Get it done before he leaves office. Which is only about six weeks away. Yeah. But we, you know, by the time we get to March, we want things to be different in that building. Yeah, I don't think you have six weeks to wait. You know, so it has to happen now. But then we also need the ongoing cooperation with the with the police department. And we're, there have been more sweeps. And I think that the, when the chief sees that we're really take, doing some, taking some measures to try to manage the entry into the building more than we are now, and it's not going to be perfect, I think that, you know, we'll get even in more more kind of attention from the from the police as a result because they see that we're doing our part right um some of these additional security measures are going to you know change involve changes to tenants ability you know to kind of have people come and go and so we have to work with the tenants council to kind of run these ideas by them of course because the tenants are not like a you know they're not gonna everyone's not gonna see everything the same way but the people on the tenants council, I think, are representing the kind of average resident who just wants to be safe in the building. Let's go to the phones. Good morning. You're live on the morning drive. Hi, this is Michael. Michael, you're, you're um, on the air. Hey, uh, I I just want to make a comment about Decker Towers. Uh, a couple of years ago, during the pandemic, I lived in city housing in San Francisco in a single resident occupancy building, and regarding the security at the front door and uh, letting people egress and ingress out of the building kind of willy-nilly. 
we ended up having where the residents that were able to, that weren't mobile challenged to come downstairs and require them to let their guests in physically. And then it would be tracked who let, who, who let who into the building or who let how many people beyond the pre-approved list for each resident, which excluding social care workers, an approved family member and one additional person per day, uh, they had to register for other people beyond that to enter the building. So I thought that's a, it was a great solution for us for security, especially in downtown San Francisco. Thank you. That's great. Thank you very much. I mean, we're thinking of that, you know, trying that, um, that people would have to come down and just actually let their visitors into the building. You know, for people who mobility challenge will need some way for them to get someone else to do it for them. Or I think, you know, there's a, there's a way to deal with that. Are you looking at some other communities that have uh, similar like buildings? Like he referenced San Francisco and, and how they're, they're managing their properties. I think the staff is. I think City Hall's been doing some research on that. Brian Pine's been spending a lot of his time, you know, helping towards solutions. Because, I mean, this is, there's the immediate emergency. Right. Okay. But then beyond that, we have to have some ongoing additional funding to maintain a heightened security level in the building. And that's where we need to, you know, we, some people are, th- are thinking there's a new, we need higher rents in the building to support the higher operating costs. Um, so there's some longer-term solutions as well that we're going to need help from the state. If the board proposes something that tenants overwhelmingly don't support, is there is there a process on that? How does that work? Like, let's say you propose something and you get a ton of feedback that the majority of tenants, the vast majority, aren't supportive. How does that work? Well, I think, you know, there's just, they have no formal vote, right? right. The decision makers are the board. Um, but if the vast majority said, no, we don't want to do this, I don't think it's likely the board would go ahead and do it. Um, I think we would explain why we think this is a good idea. We might say, why don't we try it for a couple of weeks and see how it goes. And are you concerned, Jane, with, with the group that started? We totally understand their frustration, right? But you just had the police arrest two what they called serial car thieves. And one who they listed as a, a violent person who they had to... They had trouble bringing under control. They had to pepper spray this person to get them under control. And both of these individuals had long histories with the police. Are you concerned that the that residents patrolling the hallways or the stairways at night might run into something that could really cause a, a violent situation? Well, I'm glad you asked that question because we have been very concerned about it. But Lester, yesterday we heard from the head of the resident council, Kathy Foley, that um, they are not a vigilante group, that they are not going to be putting themselves at risk. They're not engaging directly. That they are working with BPD to make sure that they, you know, they know what they should be doing and what they shouldn't be doing. So that was very reassuring to hear that. There was there was a couple nights, though, that they said that they were, they were kind of patrolling, doing their own patrols, you know, 4 o'clock in the morning, and they were asking people to leave. Now, the good side of it is that... They told us that most people, when you ask them to leave, they leave. That's that's good to hear. So that's good to hear. But there might be some. But not all. Right. And that's where the problem could be. That's where the problem is. All right, let's grab one quick call before we go to break. Good morning. You're live on the morning drive. Hi, guys. Hi, Jane. Uh, I have a question. Uh, You guys are focusing on Decker Towers, and uh, you keep talking about a few individuals. But uh, I heard yesterday when the police and you guys uh, made a patrol of Decker Towers that all the uh, indigents that are in Decker Towers 
will flood out the side doors and try to escape the police. And uh, one of the places that they go to and knock on doors to try to get in is right across from the Champlain Housing Trust. And they say Decker Towers, the police, and they're uh, conducting some type of patrol there. But there is also a Champlain Housing Trust down on Pine Street. If you're heading south, it's a second house on the right. And uh, the house is full of uh, indigents and drug dealers. And this is just the tip of the iceberg. But I think we all have to work together, the city council and uh, all the officials in the city and the police. But what is really failing us now is the judicial system to, to try to get some control and to put people uh, where they can get help. And if that's incarceration, it should happen. Something is wrong and broken. And when you're the right. mayor, Jane, and I vote for you, listen, don't cut me off. <laughs> no, we got to let you go. You fix it. We got to let I you go. I appreciate that. Jane, it's Joan that's running for mayor, not yeah. Jane. Yeah. Even though Jane would be a great mayor. And people do call me Joan. <laughs> I know, including me sometimes. Including you sometimes. Uh, uh, Joan, we, Jane, <laughs> see, there we go. Jane, we got to go to a break. We want to make okay. a quick comment to that or wait till we get back? No, I mean, it's a good call. I mean, he's absolutely yeah, right. You know, is. it's not just happening. In, you mean about you being mayor? Well, no, no, that it's not just happening at Decker. It's happening right. other places. And let's, we can t- get into the public safety side of it and of course, after the break. Part of it is the biggest problem because Decker Towers is so big. Yes, that's exactly right. It's the scale. Yeah. It makes it easy for people to, you know, squirrel away. And- yeah. All right. Well, we're going to continue the conversation, and it is going to talk about public safety and and the city on a larger scope uh, in the second part of the segment. First, join the conversation now on the WVMT Morning Drive with Kurt and Anthony. Triple eight four one four zero three zero three. Welcome back to the Morning Drive, everybody. Kurt and Anthony here with Jane Nodell. We've been talking about Decker Towers. Jane is on the Burlington Housing Authority board, maybe going to be chairing the board coming up soon. There'll be a vote on that next week. Uh, I want to get into the mayor's race, Jane, and the public safety plan that you helped put together with Andy Voda. Yep. Uh, But uh, anything else on Decker Towers that we haven't touched on yet? Uh, You think at some point uh, you'll be presenting a plan to the city uh, hoping that it'll be something the mayor can sign on to and we'll be able to help out with. I think with, you know, funding from both BHA and the city side. Yeah. All right, let's let's get into the mayor's race. Um, you have, uh, you're obviously it's well known. You're, you've are you been the treasurer for Joan's campaign, Joan Shannon's campaign. Yep. Um, and by the way, talking to Jane Nodell, if you have a question for Jane, feel free to give us a call on the McKenzie Country Classic Hotline, 888 now, there was a, just a seven-day story out that was a pretty, um, you know, at-length, lengthy story. A very, I think, fair story. Well done on both sides of the, of the, of the campaign here between Emma and Joan. I want to contrast two quotes here at the beginning of the story. One's from you. Okay. Uh, so the first one is, It's easy to rally around fear, said Miko Ozeki, a Mulvaney, I mean, Mulvaney Stanek supporter. She said, with Emma, she's saying, let's not dwell on the negative narrative and let's work on solutions. Your comment is, it's going to be hard for Emma to convince the average voter that she's really going to be the one that can rebuild the police force and get us back on track. One, do you think that's what Jane, Joan is doing, is trying to just build on fear? I, of course, I don't see it that way. 
I think that she is acknowledging the reality of what's happening in the city, um, in certain, certainly in downtown, at our, you know, affordable housing projects, um, and in neighborhoods of, you know, King Street neighborhood, Old North End neighborhoods. Um, she's acknowledging that there's a problem that we have to solve. And I don't see that as rallying around fear. I see it as really being willing to, you know, no longer say that the current approach is working. Maybe rallying around reality. Rally, rally, rallying around reality, yep. And then your quote where you talked about uh, you think it's going to be hard for Emma to convince the average voter that she's going to be the person that can rebuild the police force and get us back on track. What, what did you mean by that? Why do you say that? Well, look, all, all four candidates, right? Because remember, we do have we do four. Have two. Mm-hmm. Um, are saying that the big issue is public safety or as Mulvaney Stanek would say, community safety. Okay. So then every, there's agreement on that. So the next one is there's agreement that in order to get where we need to be, we need to get our uniformed police officer count up to 87 to 90. Okay. She's not even disagreeing with that, right? She's calling for the return of community, of, of community policing, which is very labor-intensive kind of policing, and a form of policing that I worked hard to get to my constituents, the Old North End. I remember. And which went away after Councillor Freeman came and others came on, this, on the city council. Okay. So... Then the question becomes, who's going to be able to really recruit and retain police officers? And I think it's quite obvious that the best candidate on that criterion is Joan Shannon. And I just will stand by my statement that there's going to be there's a real credibility gap there from Mulvaney Static Um, in terms of what is she really prepared to do? Is she really prepared to support the police force? Support the work that the police officers do. And they need to feel that. And in the article, uh, I mean, it, it seems clear just on based on what she said that she does not. She's not a supporter of Chief Murad. She didn't say I'm going to get rid of him, but she certainly wouldn't say, as Jonah said, that she's going to keep him. And it seems like, as a as just a voter in Burlington, that we really needed the chief to be made the permanent chief as he finally was, and that the police needed that stability. They certainly wanted him to become the permanent chief. How concerning is it if we go backwards and, and get rid of Chief Murad next summer in the appointment process? This is not the time to be out there for, with a search for a new chief. But I read that, clo- that, that quote of Mulvaney Statics at the end. You know, we're basically saying, he's, I don't see him as the kind of person that would be on my team. I mean, that's the closest she has come. The right? same. And you know that she has people on her side saying to her, if you win... We want you to promise that you will run a search for a new chief. And that, you know, so she's trying to be very, mm-hmm. you know, careful in, not, in what she's saying to kind of not go quite that far unless and until she actually gets elected. But that's pretty close, that statement. I thought it was coming closer than she has yet. Yeah, because when she was with us in October, it was long quite time a long ago. time ago. Yep. Uh, we Kurt asked that question, and it was it was vague then. And um, I, I think that it, it. I like your logical approach to it. An economics professor it makes perfect sense. My brain can see it clearly when you there do you it go. that way. Uh, and and I do believe that that she's kind of splitting hairs now. But that was uh, a key indication of what's going to happen if she's elected mayor. 
I think that's right. How important do you think these endorsements are? Um, Joan has the police and fire, but she also has the two other big unions in the city, which I think some people were surprised at. Some have suggested that it may be the first time that all the unions got behind the same candidate. Um, I think Kyle Blake was talking about that. He couldn't remember a time that that had happened in the past. Um, it was a bit surprising, just be all in all honesty. Uh, Emma Mulvaney Stanek. I thought she might get the other endorsements outside police and fire. She's a union organizer. Yep. How big do you think that is in this race? I think for you know for voters that are on the fence that that's going to make a difference. Um, you know, if she just gotten police, you know, then they could just kind of discount it and say, well, you know, because she's going to do anything that the police want her to do, which is not true, but. Not if you've watched her career for the last 20 years. No, she's her own person. Yeah. yeah. Um, But I think it makes it much harder to um, kind of depict Joan as someone who can't work with people, you know, doesn't like unions or whatever it is that they're saying about her, right? Um, And it shows that they, they have confidence in Joan's ability to take on the challenges that the city has. And that's that's the key issue with these endorsements, which is who do you, and for, for people who are involved in the day-to-day work of delivering services to the people of Burlington, who do you want sitting in the mayor's office? And they've said very clearly across the board, Joan Shannon. Let's go to the phones. Good morning. You're live on the morning drive. Good morning, Jane. I'm going to make a statement. I want to know if you think it's ignorant or not. Um, I think the Decker Tower problem can be solved, you know, within a year if Sarah George threw a, threw the book at anyone who committed a crime on the property, even even have excessive bail to to protect the community. Is that a an ignorant outlook on this problem? Jane, do you think it's uh, a, a good deal of this is on the on the back of the state's attorney, Chittenden County, Sarah George, or not? Well, I mean, certainly in more aggressive approach on prosecution would be welcome at Decker Towers, I think, across across the city. Um, it, maybe it's not the only thing that will, will, will fix it, but that, I mean, what the staff says, if we could if we could really deal with it, you know, eliminate, getting the, the traffickers out of the building permanently, um, that everything else becomes manageable, right? And so part of it is if you can evict somebody, right, and but if someone thinks that they're going to be able to operate in there for a couple years, mm-hmm. you're going to get a new person come in. So there has to be real real belief that you're going to get busted if you try to come into this building and operate your business here. You yeah. will get busted, and it's going to happen quickly. And uh, to kind of put icing on that, the two people they arrested yesterday uh, at Decker Towers. One of them has had 150 law enforcement encounters and 13 arrests since last December. One person, 13 arrests since December, and we're at the end of February. I really wish there would be some, someone would come in and really do the research of, I want to know what happened on each of those cases. It's hard because you got to go to the courthouse. You got to weed through it. You can't do it online. You've got to know the case numbers. Um, I'm I'm trying to do one, one incident in one situation and it's taking me weeks to dig through it some more transparency would be good so because we elect our prosecutors right i would love to be able to see the record you know 
All right, Jane Odell, if you have a question for Jane, if we just lost you, give us a call back on the McKenzie Country Classic Hotline, 888 If you have a question for Jane, Jane, what what is that? And I want to get to the public safety plan, too, that you and Andy Voda put together. But what's the what's the vetting process? Do you know for somebody who is applying to move into Decker Towers? I don't know. And that's that's an issue that we need to really, you know, kind of dive into. Are we making some bad decisions on the front end? Yeah. That might be affecting a lot of people that are living there that are trying to uh, have a decent quality of life. They just want to be safe and want to be able to get, come out of their building, go to the community room, hang out with each other. Yeah. yeah, we're going to take a quick 90 second break. We're going to continue the conversation with Jane Nodell. Local people about local issues every day. The Morning Drive with Kurt and Anthony on FM 96.3 and AM 620 WVMT. Welcome back to the Morning Drive, everybody, where we're going to continue our discussion with Jane Nodell, but the McKenzie Country Classic Hotline's open, 888 and we'll go back to the phones. Let's go to the phones. Good morning. You're live on the Morning Drive. Yes, good morning. i got a question for Joan. Jane. Um, well, not a question, so much more of a statement. Um, this this whole drug culture in Burlington has really escalated the last few years. What does she think about these free injection sites? free needles and programs for junkies to pretty much linger and and hang out in Burlington. Jane, did you hear that? I did. What's my view on the um, injection sites, uh, now called overdose prevention sites? Um, Of course, I did not support them when I was on the city council, part of why I lost the support of the progressives. Um, And it does, it is in the Novoda Nodell plan. Okay, because I think a lot of people think that, you know, it, it can be an effective strategy. So my thinking on it has shifted a little bit in the following way, that I do think that we need to, we need to start enforcing laws against public use of controlled substances and alcohol. Okay, so once you do that, and that's when differentiation between Joan Shannon and Emma Mulvaney-Stanek, right? but then where do they go? Okay, so I see the overdose prevention site as a place where you, you, you need to go. If you want to be using, you can't do it in public, but here's a place where you can go. Um, and it kind of will also re- reduce the, uh, the needles, you know. It, there's some benefits to it. I, my concern has always been that there's not enough connection to recovery in some at the BBA summit, they heard from people in Reno that have taken a, a real recovery approach to the substance use crisis, which is going well beyond we're just going to keep you alive today into we're going to help you really get your life back on track. You know, and sometimes the heat, what, what's difficult is where people aren't ready to go do that, right? Do you just let them continue to be hanging out in the parking garages, doing what they're doing? I don't think so. I don't think we can keep going with that. I think at some point uh, someone is going to say, well, that's cruel and unusual punishment because they're a victim themselves. I mean, at at some point something has to be done to address it. And, you know, anecdotally, I know a couple of people that have just looked at me and you can tell they're in crisis. And they said, until I get arrested, this is this is what I do. Yeah. You know, the problem, it is going to be probably downtown. You know, everyone's always very coy. That is, people on the city council have advocated for this. This was my problem back then. Everyone's very coy about, I don't know where it's going to be. We all know where it's going to be. Downtown. 
Yeah. It's going to be downtown. Um, I want to get into some other aspects of the public safety plan, but we'll go back to the phones first. Sure. Good morning. You're live on the morning drive. Hi. Good morning. I just want to thank you guys for providing open forums for so many people. I've been normally I listen to you in the morning, and I my work schedule changed, so I didn't get to listen to you, but. I just want to thank the woman that you have on the air right now for actually answering questions, which your guest yesterday did not. <laughs> I'm not running for any office. She so makes it everything. Yep. And she said, elect me and wait and see. And right now I'm hearing real solutions and real answers. And I appreciate that about you guys. I now live in Rouse's Point, New York, because I cannot afford to live in Vermont anymore, but I watch what's going on all the time and I work in Burlington. I do a delivery service. Some of the names I'm not going to mention because probably can't do that on air, but I see what's going on in Burlington and it, my family tells me you shouldn't go over there and work because they're concerned about my safety, but I'm not going to give up on that because Yep. Somebody else takes care of me. All right. Upstairs. We appre- hey, we appreciate Thank the call. We're Thank running you very short on much. time. Thank you very much. And uh, yes, I think people find it refreshing to hear actual answers to questions. Yes, I, I, I would I would agree. <laughs> let's grab another quick call. Oh, well, let's go to the next line. Let's grab a quick call. Good morning. You're live on the morning drive. Uh, hey, guys. I uh, hope I'm not troubling you. Uh, I'm calling in again uh, with the subject that I've talked about before, about these uh, so-called uh, safe injection sites. And I'd like to say that an anesthesiologist at the hospital, when I had an operation, told me this was the most critical part. Uh, one of the most critical parts is uh, administering the, the anesthetic. You, to you got to be quick. We're running out of time. Yes, for Jane. that's it. Could you re- respond to that? How is this safe in any way if there's no anesthesiologist? Okay, we got you. We got you, Jane. Mm-hmm. Supervision. Well, the yeah, the advocates, you know, will they, they have medical per- personnel on the site. Um, they know how to, you know, administer Narcan. They're going to help people make sure they have clean needles. And, you know, that that part of it, I think, is pretty well thought through. Jane, just a couple minutes left. Um, the public safety plan. I wanted to spend a little more time on that, but yeah. we're not going to get to now. Um, give us some of the other aspects. This was a this was a pretty at, uh, in-depth proposal that Andy Voda, with help from you, put together. Um, boy, I would love to have seen a whole debate on just these proposals you put together. Yeah, I mean, thinking back on the the mayor's race, there's actually been a lot of talk about public safety, but very little formats where you really pinned people down, right? Yeah. Yes or no? Yeah. You know, do you agree that the legislature should be putting more resources into the court system, the prosecutors? I mean, these are the kind of measures that when we're now in this in the session. You know, especially Representative Mulvaney Stanek presumably is in some kind of position to move some things forward here. You called for different bills like Grand Theft Auto, which is now being considered. Now being considered. So I think, you know, and, it, and the, there was that hearing in January. Um, but, you know, I think the legislature, you know, tends to drift too far into the, you know, left zone on these issues. So you need the governor complete, you know, reminding people that you know we need to we need to address some of these core 
laws that are allowing people to be out doing damage Repeatedly. to others after with 17 arrests in the past six, six yeah. months. Yeah. Let me just say, I think Andy Voda would be a great addition on the city council if he were ever to decide to run. I think that he is, well, I know that he is getting himself ready in case there, in case we, we have a Shannon in the mayor's office, which I think would be, I think I, I would, I've been encouraging him. I think he'd be a really, really good city council. Jane, just a quick comment. We're less than a minute left. Um, how excited are you to see the building, City Place building, going up after all that, the winding road that we dealt with that? I'm that. very excited, but, you know, I always knew it would happen. You know, I didn't think it would take this long, but, you know, it's great to see, and I think that's that's going to be a game changer. I think that project is going to be a game changer. And local ownership. Yeah. I love that. And thanks for your, your, your work on that over the years, too. Well, yours, too. So... Jane O'Dell, as always, we love having you on the show. It was great. I enjoyed myself tremendously and look forward to next time. Thanks for coming in. All right. Well, they go quick, Kurt. And tomorrow's Fluff and Stuff Friday. Yeah. Jimmy Fallon. Okay. And keep it right here on News Talk WVMT Burlington. From ABC News. I'm Sherry Preston. Thousands of Americans with AT&T phone service woke up this morning without it or with very limited access. Here's ABC's Brian Clark. AT&T says it's working urgently to restore service to customers experiencing 